Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The presenting sponsor of the Can We Please Talk podcast is our friends over at BetterHelp. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. Find your bright spot this season. All you got to do is go to BetterHelp.com. Slash, can we please talk? You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash, can we please talk? Hey, everybody. Welcome into an all-new episode of the Can We Please Talk podcast. As always, I'm Mike Leon. And I'm Nick Severi. On the program today, the government's going to run out of money, Nick. On November 17th, inside Speaker Mike Johnson's plan, he is proposing to the House that just came out this past weekend. The third GOP debate happened last week here in my neck of the woods in Miami. Nick and I are going to recap some of that. Former President Trump was also here in Miami, and he said he'd lock up his opponents if he was president. We'll discuss And then finally, speaking of breaking the law, Nick, New York City Mayor Eric Adams is in hot water. Somebody on his campaign may have broken the law. More on that in just a bit. Before I say hello to my buddy Nick Saveri, on your episode of Back Your Play with Q is out there. Rich breaks down the latest in the NFL that just happened this past week, week 10 in the National Football League. Download new episodes of Back Your Play with Q over on LeonMediaNetwork.com or listen wherever you get your podcasts. Great stuff over there. Rich has had some really great guests, uh, former uh, Penn State and Cincinnati Bengal linebacker Brandon Bell, former Giants running back Brandon Jacobs has been on the show, former Jet Safety James Hasty is going to be on his show in a few weeks. So go download episodes of Back Your Play with Q. All the, all the latest NFL, college football stuff. Q does a great job breaking that all down. All right. Now I say hello to my buddy, Nick Saveri. Nick, what's going on here? You know, last few episodes, we uh, I'm always bringing in something with the war, something Debbie, I wouldn't call it Debbie Downer, right? Because people's lives are at stake with that. And, and there's still hostages that are been captured with that. And by the way, if you want to donate to the humanitarian causes, hit the link in our show notes for everything that's happening there in Gaza. But um, how you been? How's everything been going? We, we haven't recorded in a while. So how, how's everything going your way? It's good. Yeah, actually, we on the other side of recording the Educate US show, we just did our next ep- our most recent episode, just talking a little about the recent actually about the debates uh, from an education perspective, just from a, a helpful clip you sent sent over to us. But we're good on that side. Life's good. Uh, birthday's coming up for me. So that's right. Yeah, always, always a fun time of the year. And then we go right into Thanksgiving. So it's 43. It's Is good. it 43? 45. Whoa. Yeah, halfway off. Yeah, halfway of the decade to fifty. So it's it's cool though, and yeah, it's it's just been fun. Yeah, I uh, aggravating loss by Rutgers yesterday against Iowa. Yeah, Uh, expected. I mean, to you know, number twenty two team in the country, but um, just painful, and it's yeah, but so painful. 
I mean, it's it's so painful. We're gonna get into painful stuff happening at DC, but uh, I didn't I didn't know you were forty five. I thought for some reason you and I were kind of. I knew you. I know you're older, but not. I guess when as people start getting older in my life that are you know in my neighborhood, my neck of the woods, age wise, it's it is weird to say. Eventually one day I'm gonna be like, you're sixty? Are you kidding me? That's crazy. So. Uh, more on Nick's birthday coming up here. Maybe we'll have some people shout him out and, and celebrate his birthday. It won't be the people that are in our comment section that uh, that don't want to wish you a happy birthday, Nick. I couldn't care less. I know. I know. Well, actually, no, I, I, do I care? I don't know. No, I don't. I don't. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> throw on birthday greetings, throw on hate, whatever. As always, microphone, your own mm-hmm. program. So, Or Mike could have you on and you know try to do a better job than I can, but that's right. you won't be able to. So. That's right. Oh, I like that. And you Much know what? appreciate it. Let's give the people something to talk about, uh, in the words of that mm-hmm. famous song. All right, let's get into the, our first segment here, Nick, because over the weekend, this kind of snuck in under the radar for people that don't pay attention to news. Uh, over the weekend, you want to decompress, you want to you know, enjoy what's happening over the weekend, you want to watch sports, you want to get away from news and politics. I get all of that. But listen, folks, there's something big happening on a big date coming up. November 17th, the government is going to run out of money. And there's a stopgap spending bill that was proposed by House Speaker Mike Johnson on Saturday that would avoid a partial government shutdown. It's going to extend government funding from some agencies and programs until January 19th and will continue funding for others until February 2nd. So it's kind of like a two prong approach that uh, he presented. Take a listen to the way this kind of broke uh, over the weekend from some of the outlets and some of the stuff that's kind of incorporated in this approach by Speaker Mike Johnson. Take a listen. What it does is it funds the government in two separate parts rather than the whole government, as we've often seen, even with short-term extensions of government funding deadlines. The first deadline would come on January 19th for a bunch of bills, agencies like uh, water, transportation, like military contracts, all kinds of agencies that are required, of course, to have funding to keep the lights on. The second tranche would be funded uh, until February 2nd. So we have two different dates. Democrats were concerned about this because it's very logistically complicated, but this is also a plan endorsed and backed by some of the most conservative conservative Republican members. Notably, though, Yasmin, real quickly here, this is by all accounts a clean, quote-unquote, CR. That's because it doesn't have any budget cuts, any spending cuts. It also doesn't have any aid for Israel. I am told in part that's because Johnson, who kind of boxed himself into a corner here, said that he still wants those offsets, those pay-fors for any emergency aid, including to Israel, something that he definitely supports. You know, one of the things Nick and I like to do on this show, in, in addition to learning ourselves about it, is informing and educating, right? So for people that are listening to this and they go, I, I don't care about the politics of what's happening in D.C., government running out of money. Who cares about some of these programs? But these programs are going to affect your everyday life, you know. Here in Miami, you know, I happen to know a few TSA agents, for example. So they would be affected by this if the government is shut down because that is under the uh, Homeland Security Department. Right. So if the government is not funded through uh, the period that's proposed here, January 19th and February 2nd for some other programs, people are going to get furloughed or lose their job potentially or not have any income that's coming in, in addition to the folks that work in the DC sector, right? Like normal people that, you know, clean up, you know, uh, over there, uh, over on Capitol Hill and things like that, Um, you know, and work in janitorial services and things like that. So I want people to start thinking of it like that because this thing kind of affects the larger, right? Because there's people that you may know that work, you know, for the state department or they work for social security offices or they, and different things that you're, you don't think that that's necessarily part of DC, but it is part of what the federal government does. So um, there was already, Nick, uh, a couple of Republican um, House members, Representative Chip Roy, who we've invited on the program out of Texas, who tweeted out that, you know, my opposition to this was just announced. I cannot be overstated. This is funding at Pelosi level and spending for 75 days in turn, you know, for future promises. So he would already be a no for people that are like, what the hell does that mean? That means that, remember, Republicans have a slim majority and you got to get 218 to pass a bill. So you can't lose more than four votes because of, of the Republican side, because then the bill won't pass and it won't make it to the Senate desk. Um, Nick, you heard a little bit of the clip there. This kind of, like I said, snuck in under the radar over the weekend. I hate when this happens over the weekend. It's Veterans Day. You know, there's 
Uh, President Biden was was out there doing something for veterans on Saturday. So the news cycle is is kind of lost in all of this and it kind of sweeps in. And now here we are having to kind of look at what this proposes, how it doesn't make any big cuts, how it doesn't include uh, funding for Ukraine or Israel and two things that obviously uh, President Biden has championed for. Uh, it doesn't have much in there for the U.S. border with Mexico. Actually, it doesn't have anything in there for the U.S. border with Mexico. Uh, Johnson said he's separating Biden's request for an emergency supplemental bill from the temporary stopgap measure. Um, what do you make of, of the bill? What do you make of what I just played there? And that was from MSNBC breaking the news over the weekend, kind of discussing this. But as we head to this November 17th deadline, people listening to this episode before then, um, we're, in, we're in a world of hurt here if this if the government is shut down uh, past this date. What do you make of it all? You know, I think having two separate dates. I mean, I get I guess I sort of understand the idea here, but I, I would imagine just being frustrating, you know, being someone who is a direct recipient of, of federal money, you know, as, as an employee um, or as a veteran or as an active as active military. You know, Congress is playing games. And the funny part is, None of this affects their own respective paychecks. You know, we saw that. We heard, you know, the, you know, we heard, I forgot who on the labor side at the White House had talked about, you know, when Kevin McCarthy, previous speaker, had said, you know, I'll gladly donate my paycheck. And she rightfully brought up the fact that that doesn't work. You know, Congress is continuously paid throughout this process, which it would be nice to see that not happen. If the budget falls through, if we do have a shutdown, it seems like the first people who should be out of a job actually should be Congress, never mind losing their paychecks. So having two separate windows seems perplexing, and it seems like the the new speaker is trying to trying to make allies in different places. Um, I would imagine it would just be frustrating, you know. At the same time, the release of it you were talking before about the release of this news it's not surprising. I mean, it's in sports we see this all the time. Things that happen on a Friday get buried, or you do it super late in the middle of the night, so you get less attention. You know, Texas A&M is about to fire their coach with a ridiculous payout. Like this is what people do to try to stay under the radar. Um, you know, I think the the new speaker's trying to make waves, but it's it's unfortunate. I mean, again, we've said this many times on this show that it is stunning to us that we keep seeing this this budget issue constantly kick down the curb. So now it's January nineteenth that certain programs are benefiting from that will be funded. Then February second is the next window. Like, what the hell are we doing? Like, do we right. have an actual budget or not? And if this is just indicative of the fact that Congress once again can't get their act together and figure a way to fund the federal government, then they should all be out of a job. Every one of them, because clearly this form of compromise can't work. And in the end, it's not they who suffer at all. Their pensions are fine. They'll still collect the paycheck. But it's the citizens who be- benefit directly from a federal paycheck or federal funding in whatsoever that are always the ones who get screwed. Yeah. No, you're you're spot on there. You know, I was I wanted to read something that um, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said uh, Saturday again. And maybe everybody kind of missed this because of when it happened. But she said this proposal is just a recipe for more Republican chaos and more shutdowns. Full stop. With just days left before an extreme Republican shutdown and after shutting down Congress for three weeks uh, after they ousted their own leader, House Republicans are wasting precious time with an unserious proposal that has been panned by members of both parties. So that's the issue, right? Remember, you can't lose uh, more than three to four votes. And if you do, uh, again, this could end up going to the the 19th hour. We could get to November 16th at 9 p.m. and they're voting on something. And and like Nick said, it's just, you know, pushing the the, punting the football down the field. And then January, that week of January 19th, you and I will be back on here talking about the importance of this the people that are on government programs, the people that will be affected by all of this. So we're going to keep an eye on that as that continues, because both of these bills right now and this approach by Speaker Mike Johnson, it's really showing how he's doing kind of things the same way Speaker McCarthy did. And if you remember, they ousted him because all it took was one vote, which came from Representative Matt Gates. So um, I want to shift real quick because You know, you and I have had a GOP presidential candidate on here and we were kind of talking a little bit about how do you work with the House and the Senate? Like, how do you work with Democrats? How do you reach across the other side of the aisle? And the the third GOP presidential debate happened here in my neck of the woods in Miami. And there wasn't really any questions about the government shutdown and working with uh, the other side of the aisle. But there was a few interesting things from the debate 
that you and I were texting back and forth about. And I want to kind of bring it over here because there was some some crazy sound bites from your cousin, from another mother, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, I know you're shaking your head about that. But I, have, we're gonna... I have no familiar <laughs> connections other than the fact we share a similar skin tone. That guy's a, <laughs> a bozo. And I'm so yeah. glad we, again, you sent us something that we got a chance to talk about yeah. you know, over on Educate US. So folks, you know, you, I think you'll all enjoy that upcoming episode when it comes out later this week. Um, he's an embarrassment to our people, man. That's full stop. Well, well, let's let's get into some of the stuff that these candidates were talking about, because the Israel Hamas war funding for Israel, which we just mentioned, is not in this bill funding for Ukraine, which is not in this bill. Our U.S. southern border, which is not in this bill to, you know, to allocate resources for, you know, uh, CBP and agencies like that. All of that was kind of discussed for the third debate. I want you to take a listen to some of this. We're going to react on the other side. Take a listen. We've got to start focusing on what's going to make America strong and proud. And that's what I'm focused on doing. Let's make sure we pay down our debt. I think we need an accountant in the White House. Let's make sure that we have transparency in the classroom. As a mom, I know what that means. Let's make sure we secure our borders so that our families are safe. I think there's something deeper going on in the Republican Party here. And I am upset about what happened last night. We've become a party of losers at the end of the day. We have a cancer in the Republican establishment. Let's speak the truth. I mean, since Ronna McDaniel took over as chairwoman of the RNC in 2017, we have lost 2018, 2020, 2022, no red wave that never came. We got trounced last night in 2023. And I think that we have to have accountability in our party. For that matter, Ron, if you want to come on stage tonight, you want to look the GOP voters in the eye and tell them you resign, I will turn over my yield my time to you. Think about who's moderating this debate. This should be Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, and Elon Musk. We'd have 10 times the viewership asking questions that GOP primary voters actually care about and bringing more people into our party. Uh, I actually served in Iraq back in the day, and um, we had al-Qaeda in Iraq. You had Shia militias that were funded by Iran that were killing hundreds and hundreds of U.S. troops. And as commander-in-chief, I am not going to put our troops in harm's way unless you're willing to defend them with everything you have. Biden has them out there. They're sitting ducks. He's doing glancing blows. That's just inviting more attacks from the Iranians. I would say you, you harm a hair on the head of an American service member, and you are going to have hell to pay. Ukraine is not a paragon of democracy. This is a country that has banned 11 opposition parties. It has consolidated all media into one state TV media arm. That's not democratic. It has threatened not to hold elections this year unless the U.S. forks over more money. That is not democratic. It has celebrated a Nazi in its ranks, the comedian in cargo pants, a man called Zelensky, doing it in their own ranks. That is not democratic. More facts for you that you won't hear from the mainstream in either party or the mainstream media. The regions of Ukraine that are occupied by Russia right now in the Donbass, Luhansk, Donetsk, these are Russian-speaking regions that have not even been part of Ukraine since 2014, that other people probably couldn't name those provinces for you. Those are the hard facts. And so to frame this as some kind of battle between good versus evil, don't buy it. I am telling you, Putin and President Xi are salivating at the thought that someone like that could become president. They would love to the see The fact that. of the matter is she doesn't answer So this the is what I will tell you. We're driving is, Russia first of all, into China's hands because of you these foolish policies. To talk. You know in Maury or Springer when like people are fighting and there's, you know, they're yelling back and forth, you don't owe me, you don't owe me. There's a great episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm where Larry David's watching jerry springer and he's like this is my favorite part when they come out and they start arguing with the audience that's kind of what that sounded like right there it, it, let's be honest some of that back and forth between former ambassador nikki haley and vivek ramaswani it's funny because um the third debate happened the next one's happening in december in, in alabama i was recently uh, on ntd news kind of breaking down before the debate and then after obviously because i lived down here had family that actually attended the debate and then i go to the hill if you go to thehill.com, who won the third debate? Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy lost the third debate. Again, this is according to a poll now. So I said the same thing on television before this poll came out, 538 Washington Post, Ipsos poll that found 34% of likely Republican primary and caucus voters who turned into the debate said that Haley performed the best out of the five candidates. Governor Ron DeSantis came in second place with 23% of the votes. 
Vivek came in uh, third place with 15%. Chris Christie was at 12%. Uh, excuse me, Chris Christie was actually at 24%. It was Tim Scott who was at 12%, Nick. And I mentioned about getting late early for, for Senator Tim Scott there. You mean um, no girlfriend bump for him? No, no girlfriend bump for him. For the people that don't know what that means, uh, you know, obviously there's been some allusions to whether or not he is is dating somebody, if he's, you know, gay or not. I mean, again, to each his own, but um, he unveiled his girlfriend of that he says they've been dating for a year now at the debate. And the, so there's been questions about that. Anyway, um, he'll probably be dropping out of the race soon. I'll be honest. Like, let's just be honest. Mike Pence saw the writing on the wall and Senator Tim Scott right now, his polls continue to decline month over month. Uh, I, I have a feeling that he'll be dropping out of the race right immediately after Iowa. If he, if he even gets to Iowa would be my guess. What did you make of some of the back and forth there? But I, again, I want for people to understand that we have to start drilling into folks' policies and the biggest takeaway that I had is something that Vivek just said there about the the initial part of the debates being on NBC News and that this should be moderated by Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, Elon Musk. First of all, that's a stupid sentence. That's one. Like only two of those guys have been on TV. And the third guy is so awkward on television and happens to be a billionaire. Um, but the, the the biggest part of this is. The reason why this debate went better than the other ones is because there was no shouting over other than those few instances that you saw there. It was moderated and handled well. Here's the question. You get your time. I'm not giving you back and forth time like a diss track to you be able to go back and argue with that other person about something that they just called you out on. And I think when you start drilling into policy things, I actually thought Nikki Haley answered a lot of the questions better. We all seen that that social media clip about her answering women's reproductive rights and humanizing this issue. She has sent it numerous times. She probably answered it the best here in the third debate. But Vivek Ramaswamy continues to to. I'm not, I don't want to. I don't want to say that he's spouting Russian talking points. I don't want to say that. But him saying that Ukraine's not a democracy because they've banned eleven political parties. Those eleven political parties have ties to Russia. That's why they've been banned. He they have ties to Russia, the country that invaded them. That's why they've been banned. They have they've consolidated state media. Yes, because the other stations were being funded by Russia. That's why they've consolidated state media. He, he leaves those parts out. Like you get, this is my whole thing with this honest conversation part of this. If you if you're not on the up and up, we're not going to continue conversing here. So he said, "Don't buy it. That this is a battle between good and evil. Don't buy it, folks." Not only should you be buying it, you should be buying more of it after what he just said, because it is a battle between good and evil. Because if four out of five people see that a house is on fire and they're running from the fire and one guy's like, nah, it's not really a fire. I'm just going to walk over there. Which one are you going to do without even looking at the house? You're probably going to run. And these other folks are telling you that Russia is the aggressor here. Russia has done this un under the Obama administration with Crimea and annexing Crimea. They're doing this now and invading a country, and it won't stop them if they can go into other NATO ally members if we're not unified. And Nikki Haley, I thought, said it best there that, that Putin is salivating at the thought that Vivek Ramaswamy could be the person in charge of our foreign policy and the largest military in the world outside of China. What'd you make of the third debate here? Again, not the Republican on the uh, on the two person panel here, but what'd you make of some of the stuff you heard, the transcript? I know you may. I don't know if you were watching or not, but what'd you make of it all? And then some of the stuff we just played there. No, I, I, I paid attention to some parts of it. Um, I, I've said that since the first debate, there's nothing that we're learning at this point. I mean, actually, that's not true. I think we're learning how shockingly silly some of these people are. I've said like you that Nikki Haley has has sounded the most capable, most presidential of these candidates, and she continues to do so partly because she doesn't engage in or doesn't spout, I think, the silliest of rhetorics. I think she's trying to find middle ground. I don't agree with her on her stance on reproductive rights. Basically, she's been saying, folks, that the state should decide. Um and I understand the sentiment there, but I think that this is a matter that, especially when you have states like Nebraska arresting women because a Facebook chat indicated that one of them was seeking an abortion. I think there is some form of federal protection that should be in place, but that's that's not about me and my my talking points here. Um, I'm blown away by that comment of 
you know, there's places in Ukraine, as, as Vivek had said, that speak Russian. And that's reason that they should be considered Russian territories. We heard similar talk from the Germans in the late 20s and the 30s, you know, when they tried to make the push to, to take Austria. It's this horrifying idea that, well, they speak the same language as us, therefore there are people. No, there's a border, and you have to respect that. So the fact that Vivek's taking a strategy point from the Nazis is something that we should all be alarmed by. And the fact that he's more worried about who the moderator is and, and who it's not, um, and the failures allegedly of the RNC chairperson. Dude, if you had a better platform, if you sounded less like a robot, maybe people would take you seriously. Maybe you actually could do as good a job as Ambassador Haley has done or possibly cut into Trump's lead. But you don't because I think, as Christy had put it, you do sound like something like some weird conservative neo-Nazi chat GPT that spits out just foolishness. I've said that I spoiler alert. I said this on the educate us show. I'm going to say here, he's an embarrassment to my people. There's no full stop. There's no other way for me to explain it. Everything that Bozo says makes our people look that much dumber. And it's just embarrassing. There's nothing of any sound thought whatsoever to what this person says. And every time he opens his mouth, he confirms the fact that he's an idiot. So, and, and you can see by the reactions of other people on the panel, no one ever looks at Vivek and says, ah, you know, maybe he's on to something. No, it's just shock and horror that A, that someone this unstably stupid is rich. And then secondly, that this person has any remote shot at winning the presidency or the nomination, which he doesn't. And everything he just says makes us all that much more dumber for having heard it. So it's still, it's still Haley. Haley's to lose, at least as it relates to the debates. But again, the cynic in me comes back to the fact that this is great. This is fantastic. But you're all playing for number two. You know, I was uh, talking with somebody uh, earlier today about um, Trump is smart about not entertaining any of these debates. Like he has built a brand unto himself. He has somehow won these folks over in 2016. They're still riding with him through 2020. Vivek mentioned of all the losing and blaming it on Ronna McDaniel. It's not totally on Ronna's, uh, you know, feet. It's more on the other guy has a stranglehold of like 35, 40% uh, uh, voters out there and mainly 90% of the Republican electorate. Um, so that's the biggest issue. He didn't point that because obviously he's trying to placate to those folks and get them to eventually vote for him. They're not going to. Um, I will say this about separating qu real quick Vivek, um, the businessman from Vivek, the guy running for president, because to me, it's easier to run for president and say a bunch of things. And then once you get elected, realize you can't enact those things. Obama with Obamacare, you're going to keep your doctor. You can't keep your doctor, Nick. Unfortunately, they're not going to take those Fidelis and those insurance companies. They're just not. Um, that's the way it works. You know, you know that as somebody who's married to a doctor, my wife worked as a medical secretary. They're not going to take it. So and then it's the same thing with like Trump. Uh, Mexico is going to pay for a border. Well, yeah, I'll just say it out loud. They're going to pay for it. They're not going to pay for it. That's not how it works. So it's one thing to go on a campaign trail and say, this is I'm going to do this day one. I'm going to do this. And then when you get there on day one and you realize you can't do it because that's not how it works in D.C., then then you start to get the blame. And that's why people get so upset with politics, because it's a race to get elected and then it's a race to get reelected. And there really isn't anywhere in the middle to actually work on things that will benefit folks. And if there is one small victory, it takes, you know, years of getting it enacted like Obamacare which now has the ability for people out there to actually go uh, get insurance, whether or not it's, it's taken by, you know, your primary care physician, that's different, but at least you'll be covered and somebody eventually will have to take you. So, and that took years to become legislation. So anyway, I just want to separate that because he could be for all intent and purpose, a great businessman. I don't know anything about the biotech field. Um, I don't know anything about what he's done before and how he's made this money. He's written two books. I don't know how he's gotten publishing contracts to write books. I know it's not incredibly hard to get your book out there, an idea and a publisher to, you know, kind of say, yeah, let, let's do it. But he did that. Let's separate that from what you're saying right here, which is it's lunacy on the foreign policy side. 
because there are people there that were on the stage that are former ambassadors, attorney generals, uh, governors of big states. And they're over here saying, I wouldn't do that. And it's like, to your point, it's exactly to your point. No one there is saying, yeah, Vivek's, yeah, he's catching on to me, at least on stage. No one is saying he's, he's right. Whereas in 2015, going into 16, if you remember in the Republican primary, John Kasich was always saying Donald Trump is right about this, but he's not saying it right, as he was always go right after the former president in terms of speaking. So I will leave it there. Uh, when we come back after speaking of the former president, speaking of the laws being broken, we're going to talk a little bit about the former president, something he said about what he would do if he was back in office and New York City Mayor Eric Adams, hot water. That's putting it mildly. More on this when we come back after the break. 
they'll direct you to the bean or brand that you you should be getting in touch with. And that's the way to go. And then they just produce an incredible cup of coffee, again, regardless of how you do it. No, that's exactly right. You can take the quiz over at freshroastedcoffee.com. And in the show notes page right now of this episode, hit the link for a discount or enter in the promo code after you've taken the quiz, after you've selected the coffee you're going to order, enter in the promo code. Can we please get 20 for 20% off your first purchase? I'm telling you, this coffee is delicious. Go to freshroastedcoffee.com today. All right, Nick, as the former president, uh, Donald Trump, continues all of this legal stuff that he's going through in the new year, he's got the civil trial out there. By the way, we we have not covered the civil trial. And I I don't feel the need to cover it, by the way, folks, because Nick and I, if you're new listening to the show, Nick and I have a bet about the former president, whether or not he will actually serve time in jail. Uh, I don't know if you know what the word civil means, folks out there that don't know uh, legal terms, but uh, civil just means you're going to lose money, right? It doesn't mean that you can actually serve jail time. So because of that, I haven't really covered too much of the civil trial. We do have a reporter from NPR coming on in the coming weeks that's going to kind of break down all of that as that progresses, because that really is uh, at stake, him potentially not being able to do business anymore in the state of New York, which is big to him because that's where the Trump office is are really primarily located in New York. So outside of that, he's obviously going through the case log next year, which will be throughout New York, DC and Florida with cases that actually have felony charges associated with them. And he was recently doing, uh, obviously during the third primary debate, he held a rally in Hialeah, Florida, about you know 10 miles away from where the actual debate was being held. He holds a rally. He's not, you know, entertaining into any of these debates right now because he feels he's so far ahead of these folks. He has nothing to gain by being on those stages and being in Hialeah. If you do not, if you're not familiar with Miami, large Cuban population down here, obviously we know how popular uh, Hispanic voters, at least the Cuban population are with the former president and the dent that he made with them in 2020 uh, versus with Hillary Clinton in 2016. So he was giving an interview with Univision down here, again, placating to the Latino base like myself. Uh, I didn't watch it, Nick. So <laughs> there's one Latino that didn't watch this. But but he did say something in the interview that's been making the rounds about what he would do if he went back into office because he feels it's being done to him by President Biden. Take a listen. Somebody, if I happen to be president and I see somebody who's doing well and beating me very badly, I say, go down and indict them. Mostly, that would be, you know, they would be out of business. They'd be out. They'd be out of the election. In my case, uh, it was, there were such pathetic indictments, like, I challenge the election. I challenge the election. They, everybody challenges elections if they think they're wrong. The Democrats challenged my election in 2016. Almost everybody, they challenged it. Well, nothing happened there. So these are very, these are political indictments. These are Biden indictments. And the people get it. They really get it. It's been very impressive to watch. All right. So a bunch there, Nick. Obviously, for people that are listening to this, Nick and I are not supporters of former President Trump. I think if you've heard the show, you would know that Nick is not even remotely close in the orbit of former President Trump. And I'm not a supporter of former President Trump, mainly because, as Nick has said on this show, we're both Northeast guys. If you're a Northeast person, you know the way Donald Trump has characterized local media in New York or he doesn't get enough attention about this. There's been some real estate dealings that have gone haywire. There's been some things with casinos in Atlantic City that he's kind of left high and dry. And there's a reason why in the state of New York, he lost, you know, back in, in 2016. And I believe in 2022, uh, 2020 as well, I should say, um, that he lost the state by more than one and a half million votes because there's more Democrats that are registered there than Republicans. But um, he mentions about the, politicization of these charges. Uh, boy, that's a mouthful. It's it's half true about one. It's not true about the other three. And we've even had a Republican strategist on uh, a few uh, episodes back, Bill McGinley, who was a former assistant to President Trump. And even when you and him were talking, Nick, he conceded, right? Like, it's not about how I feel about these charges, because 
there is some, you know, righteousness in some of these charges. I mean, we all saw the thing he put on January 6th. He gave a speech. I'll be with you. I'll walk down there with you. You got to fight for your country. All of these things. Now, again, in the legal realm, we're going to find out if any of if any of this rises to the level of a crime. He's being charged with it, but we're going to find out if a jury of his peers think he actually did this stuff. But the the Republican strategist even said to us, Nick, if you recall, it's truly, truly, truly not about whether or not he did it. It's how these people feel because he's telling them these are politicized. And then when we've had lawyers on, criminal defense attorneys and former DOJ, FBI folks on, they've all said, look, the New York one, Alvin Bragg, statute of limitations, it's a misdemeanor at best. It's not even a felony. None of it has risen to the level of a felony. You probably don't bring that against, you know, somebody that doesn't have the public stature that, that a Donald John Trump has, right? Okay. What about the other ones? Well, the other ones, <laughs> classified documents, we've seen other people get arrested for classified documents. Uh, you know, January 6th and, and an insurrection and, and the level that that rises to, we haven't seen that. No one, you know, we haven't seen that from a former president. So we don't know what, what's going to play out with this. But him saying something like that about that he feels that this is so politicized, okay? Remember, this all happened in 2021. It's 20, It's going to be 2024 in a few weeks. Like, this took three, you know, three years to build these cases. And finally, it takes to the level of saying we do need to charge him because he did this. It doesn't matter that he was the former president. Nobody should be above the law. Yet he's gotten it into people's minds that it's been politicized. And so it goes back to what people feel versus what's the actual reality behind it. I said a mouthful there, but Nick, what do you make of his comments here and then him not participating in these debates and how you just said it in the last segment, this guy's leading the field by a lot. How is this guy leading the field by a lot? Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's interesting because I think the polls again are samplings, right? We generalize a lot. If I were to group every Republican voter in this country, you know, Trump price still carries the majority, but you know, is it insurmountable to someone like a Nikki Haley? I don't know. Um, is there a form of Trump fatigue in this country? It's hard to say. It doesn't seem like it. You know, but when when Trump talks about that these are, you know, these accusations are all political, he, he sounds like you know a a deposed dictator trying to get back into power. You know, the state's against me and you know, this is not done for the people. My opponent is after me, blah, blah, blah. And it's the same stuff he said when he ran, when he threatened to throw Hillary Clinton in prison. Um, and I'm glad you brought up the fact that if we go case by case, and actually you mentioned Bill McGinley on this show, and I rightfully asked, not rightfully, I, I just asked him when he says about, yeah, well, you know, the thinking is that these are Democrats. I'm like, well, I don't know the political affiliations of the, the special, special counsel. Does, does Bill? Bill doesn't know. You don't know. So no one knows. I don't know the political leanings of this person. What I do know is that this person thinks a crime has been committed and he's going to go ahead and pursue it. So, I mean, do you want to make the argument about, about Georgia? I guess. New York? Fine. After a while, folks, how many cases against this person do you need to realize there's something wrong? I'll use a sports analogy for a moment. So for many who anyone who's been paying attention, obviously the starting quarterback for this, you know, Cleveland Browns is Deshaun Watson, who has had at least upwards of 23 women. I think it was like 26 at one point who were all um, masseuses, all claimed that they're that they were violated by this individual. If I told you one person came forward, one woman came forward and said this, we'd all probably take pause and say, that seems that seems crazy. Can we learn more about it? If I told you that 24 People came forward and said he did something. I think at some point we'd say, you know what? Where there's smoke, there's fire. Whether this leads to a guilt, a conviction of guilt against in any case remains to be seen. But after so many cases, you have to imagine there's something wrong with this individual. And for him to put this up as, well, I'm just the victim of politics or I'm just the victim of the left. Get the hell out of here with that. We have you on tape asking for votes. You know, the state of New York right now is dealing with the fact that, you know, Trump's lying about the value of his property to basically get loans at an inflated cost, which is considered a crime. 
at some point, you're going to have to recognize the fact that you're a fraud. You're a fraud and you're a liar. And if you don't trust us, folks, go talk to Jeff Perlman, who's written a fantastic book about how this person, even in football, couldn't be trusted. So, and as Mike said, it if you grew up in the Northeast, you know, from the 80s through now, there's nothing redeeming. There's nothing truthful about this person, except the fact that he's always been about himself. I have nothing to add to that, Nicholas. We'll leave it there on the former president. It is dangerous for him to say some of that stuff uh, uh, in that interview with Univision. And by the way, the Univision reporter, you got to push back on some of this stuff. You know, again, the, another example of like this interview was done in English. It was not done in Spanish. It was a English taped interview. Um, I need you to push back on some of this stuff here. So you think it's okay to jail folks just because you feel that this process is politicized. Feeling and it being are two different things. And uh, the Univision reporter there should have pushed back on some of this stuff. All right, before we sign off here, Nick, one quick thought on the current mayor of New York City, who once said one of the dumbest things I ever heard on a campaign ad that he makes his own bagels at home and doesn't get bagels from like, you know, a New York bagel place. That's right. He said that (laughs) he literally said that when they asked him, what's your favorite bagel place? Like I can tell you where mine's is it's best bagel on 35th between seventh and eighth. And he said, there's two. Yes. I love best bagel. It's the best. And he said, I make my own bagels at home. And I said, I'm not voting for this guy. And this is when I lived in New York. And again, you can't, you can't just, it's like when Andrew Yang said that, what's your favorite subway stop? And he said, Times Square. I mean, come on, give me a break. But we leave that there about him. But unfortunately, the FBI is not leaving it there because they've recently uh, started digging into uh, his campaign manager's financial records. And recently they pulled off a raid Federal officials went over Monday evening after an event and confiscated several devices that included uh, cell phones and iPad that was all in possession of the current mayor. Take a listen to this as summarized over by uh, the local NBC affiliate. FBI agents seized phones and an iPad from New York City Mayor Eric Adams as part of an investigation into his campaign fundraising. Agents conducted that seizure on Monday night, approaching Adams after a public event. Details of the investigation haven't been disclosed, but the New York Times reports authorities are examining whether Adam's team conspired with the Turkish government to solicit illegal donations. When I heard this, it made me think of the Bob Menendez uh, story and what Bob Menendez was doing. And it's just what is going on here that our politicians at the local level, at the state level, at the federal level with Bob Menendez are accepting bribes from foreign governments. Like what is going on with that? And now obviously he's pleading his innocence and and denying all this. But again, as I've said before, the feds just don't show up to anybody's house and start, they haven't shown up to my house and take my phone. They shown up to your house, Nick? No, of course not. So something's up. What do you make of Eric Adams uh, and, and the confiscation here in the FBI investigation? Yeah, actually recently the New York Times has a really good article out uh, this weekend, you know, just detailing what's going on. And in short, as Mike, as you would put it, yeah, there is a there is a relationship with the Turkish government that the FBI wants to find out more about. Again, there's nothing that Adams has done is wrong. This is part of an investigation alongside a I think she's currently 25, but basically his chief fundraiser who took the job as 23 years old Um Apparently, the mayor had thought at the time or you know, up and coming mayor that all he needed for a fundraiser was an organized young person with a spreadsheet that that were the words he had said. And apparently that's wrong. <laughs> you need a little bit more than that. But the but the article is fascinating. A couple of details I took from it. One, the building that that the Turkish government was able to get passed through. Basically, what was a matter of that the New York Fire Department looked at a fire pl- fire prevention plan from the Turkish government for the consulate rather for this building pushed back said this is unacceptable you need to go back to the drawing board and do something about it and it was a constant back and forth and then suddenly mayor adams comes forward and asks for this to be moved forward moved the building to be constructed against the wishes of the new york fire department shockingly a uh, relationship that adams has with the turkish government dates back to 2015 when he was brooklyn borough president uh and had part of his trip to turkey funded by the turkish government which as mike has said before why are local why are local gov- uh office holders in the united states 
you know, traveling to other countries and having it funded by that respective government is beyond me. Um, Adams pushed through that construction, the consulate building again, as I mentioned before, um, consulates worth about $300 million. You know, people in Turkey have protested the value of this building and why it's there. Um, in addition to that building, there are 35 floors, including apartments, a prayer room, uh, and a consulate office. Now, why are there apartments there is beyond me as well. Um, so a lot of this information that the FBI is trying to acquire is based on what is the relationship that Mayor Adams has with the Turkish government. And is everything I just described, all of it is fact, is all was vetted by the New York Times. Does any of that indicate any form of wrongdoing? I don't know. But similar to what I just said about the former president a moment ago, there's a lot of details coming out that do make you wonder what exactly is the relationship going on and let the FBI simply do its job. But Mike, in the case of Bob Menendez, at the end of the day, it came down to some gold bars, right? That's the most tangible thing we can point to and say, well, something's really weird about this. I don't know where the gold bars are for Mayor Adams. But what I do know is that there is a brand spanking new building in New York City valued at $300 million that is simply a plaything for the Turkish pre- the Turkish president to point to as a structure that he values greatly. And why the Turkish government wants to have that larger presence in New York City is something that the FBI wants to find out about as well. Unbelievable, man. We leave it there. More on as that story continues to come out, we're going to devote some more coverage to that in my hometown there in New York, uh, in New York City and the mayor and everything that's going on there. Uh, as always, for our show, you follow us over on our YouTube channel. Type in Can We Please Talk podcast. We should pop right up. Hit the subscribe button for me while you're there. You can see all of our interviews that we've done, television segments where I've appeared on and more uh, audio podcast platforms. You know by now, Apple, Spotify, Google. Shout out to everybody who listens to us on Good Pods. Shout out to ACAST, our hosting platform. We can't do it without them. Can't do it without each and every one of you that listens into this program. As always, I'm Mike Leon. And still not with any gold bars. I'm Nick Severi. <laughs> we'll see everybody next time.